Welcome to the NPCs Podcast. It's the week of March 18th, 2023, and it's time for the Weekly News Roundup. EU delays Activision, Blizzard King, and Microsoft decision until May. Valve likes OLED screens, but says it's not that simple for the Steam Deck. Google's Stadia Cloud service is now gone too. Square Enix says Final Fantasy 16 has to be on PS5 only. And a fan takes the first three minutes of Resident Evil 4 and Legoifies it. My name is Travis Sherman, and as always, for the Weekly News Roundup, I'm joined by Kyle Hyman. Kyle, what's up? Nada, what's up with you? Um, That's a great question. Some I'm not actually crazy sure. crazy news to go over this week. I guess. it's. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you something right now. I mean, I know the first story that we have for this week's News Roundup is, again, stuff with Activision Blizzard King, Microsoft deal, you know, Call of Duty mess, all, all that. I, I cannot wait for the day that we stop talking about it. Yeah, I I have a feeling it's it's still a little ways away, but hopefully only months at this point. But we we can see. No kidding. <laughs> so let's just hop right into it. Then the first story for this week is the EU has decided to delay their decision on the Activision Blizzard King and Microsoft deal based on the remedies that have been offered so far by Microsoft over the last couple months. More specifically, that Microsoft has made 10-year commitments with Nintendo, with uh, NVIDIA for GeForce Now, and more recently, two other cloud services, and one of those cloud services being the company that actually supports uh, Nintendo's cloud gaming offering for those AAA titles that don't work directly on the platform. And so... Yeah, they've seen this at least and have decided to push out the decision in the EU until until May. But it's interesting because that puts that time period about, I think, what, a week or a month and a week maybe from when they're supposed to be supposedly closing on the deal. I think it's supposed to be June is when everything's supposed to lock up, right? Yeah, supposedly um, they're, they were aiming for like June or this summer. Um, I, I think it was supposed to be like potentially late June um, for the deal to be completely closed. But um, at this rate, who who knows? It, I, I just think, I think it's funny that the major point that Sony keeps landing on is Call of Duty. And it, it's like that that's not the only franchise that they have. Why are they so focused on that one franchise? I think it's just the easiest one for them to pick out and focus all of their attention on versus anything else. I mean, you would think that, you know, now that Sony, of course, has Bungie, a lot of people were like, oh, they are now they are now owners of the company that created uh, Xbox's centerpiece title, you know, with Halo. Mm hmm. And it's just funny, though, to think that there's been, you know, there's been a little bit of talk about what Activision has made for Sony all the years going back with Spyro and with uh, Crash Bandicoot and such, too. You know, those were key core titles for the PlayStation for the longest time. And those could potentially be in the house of um, the house of Bill Gates here very soon. But needless to say, it's like, well, yeah, it's like it just feels like. I think Diablo, the only console that it got released on was original PlayStation, like the original Diablo. 
that's a good question. I actually, hmm, I don't know about that. You might be right. But even so, it's still bizarre to me that they still lock on to that one title. I mean, we've discussed it plenty of times before already mm-hmm. that they that they basically shunned EA with Battlefield 2042 saying it wasn't going to match up. And we've also made mention that they could resurrect their own properties to start bringing people back in. SOCOM, they could bring back um, Resistance, Killzone. Um, what, why am I... MAG, that was the other one. MAG would be another big one to see come back, especially mm-hmm. because of the size that games are now at, especially in the Battle Royale space. It's weird how they just continue to court Call of Duty as the key thing. It really just makes you wonder if it's the low-hanging fruit because that's the big title out of there besides the stuff out of... Um, the other stuff out of like Blizzard, for example... Uh, but at the same time, I think there's a lot of other things that go into the exclusivity of things with Call of Duty that PlayStation players get first. I think that's the other part of it. Yeah, potentially. But I, I mean, since since it's not on the docket to talk to talk about it tonight, I mean, there's a lot of uh, talk about the uh, PS5 Pro potentially coming out at the end of the year. Oh, go um, figure. Being a water cooled system. And then there's also talk about the PS6 um, as early as 2027. So, I mean, it, late 2027, but now rumors are starting to fly online about that, and some of them have potentially gained traction. And uh, I, I had read in that there may have been correspondence within Sony that um, someone may have stated that they are planning for the PlayStation six to to potentially not have call of duty so i mean it it might mean that they are already looking at leaning on you know previous franchises that they haven't had a game in how how long i mean the playstation 4 this will be what 10 years for it and launch it had kill zone but we haven't heard of kill zone or resistance since then no, we really haven't. I mean, we had that tease. Huge. We had that tease of that third-person shooter, and it was like only like a six or seven-second clip that we had looked at previously. This was a month or so ago, and right. that one alone kind of had a resistance vibe to it, just by the the little bit we could see. But even so, you're right. Is that we haven't seen an inkling of any of these other titles for the PlayStation for years, and. I- if you want to breed competition, this is the way to do it. Bring back those titles that people loved. Yeah, I mean, they own Blue Point Studio, who is now famous for doing remakes of, you know, older games that are awesome. I mean, look what they've done with uh, Demon Souls. Th- that game is beautiful now. And that was like the the really big first Dark Souls-esque, you know, or Soulsborne-style game um that that everyone can think of where it got super huge and it did not look good back then on the on the ps3 it didn't play great it had really bad uh lags and and frame rate drops especially when you went into certain areas but people still you know loved it and it was an acclaimed game and blue point made this awesome rendition of it who's to say they couldn't do that with resistance Who's to say they couldn't do that with Killzone and just reissue the original titles as PS5 or, you know, who knows, later on down the line, PS6 titles. I mean, Sony's released Last of Us how many times now? 
why haven't they done that with any of their other IPs that they that they actually own? It doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. And that's why it's really weird to see them so focused on just Call of Duty alone when they have a back catalog of things they could go back and bring mm-hmm. to life especially because this year alone the top selling games so far for 2023 have all been either remakes or remasters yeah. that was just put out the other day so good for thought yeah exactly i mean it means that we're it doesn't mean we're going to get a kill zone or a resistance remake or remaster this year unless they surprise drop something on all of us it's like whoa cool hey they actually did it but call of duty just seems to be the easiest target because it is one of the most popular games out there right now even so, it's just, I guess it's a good thing that they decided to extend out, the EU did, that they decided to extend out the um, the time period, at least for review. It means that they are taking this into consideration because they're taking this part into consideration in tandem with apparently not, uh, or at least the rumor is that they're not going to demand that Microsoft actually split off assets from the purchase as well, which means that we wouldn't see, say, like, Blizzard spun off into its own entity again, or Call of Duty being its own, like, having its own dev studio that is not owned by Activision Blizzard King. There would be a, you know, there there would be really no shock if they had to do some spinoff stuff, but it makes me think that, at least based on the rumors here now, that that's not going to happen. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe what what if they have to make Activision Blizzard the publisher, but they have to shop out developers and you know part out the game that way, um, just as a concession or something. I mean, it's a possibility that way the developers are able to get a cut of whatever. You know, it, I I mean it, it's a way to not single out the market. I mean it's. Probably not realistic, but it, it's just, in all the craziness, it, it's just a possibility at this point. No kidding. It, it really is. Uh, the only other news that came out of the stuff, with the even with the EU deal, is that I think it was the UK regulator also put up some other news. They didn't actually call out the developers or studios that provided comments um, like or actually say who they were, but they actually put the comments out saying, you know, like here, here's what these other studios are saying about either you know in support of or against the uh, acquisition, and every single one of the studios actually uh, put out positive mentions of the acquisition, saying that there there's nothing to indicate that there would be any sort of walled garden or anything if. Microsoft were to take control of Activision Blizzard King. The only dissenting view was Sony, and we already knew that. Well, and not only that, I I think it's funny, too, that I Sony's turned a complete blind eye, and it, it's made a lot of people turn a complete blind eye to the fact that Blizzard Activision was under so much scrutiny, what, just a year and a half ago, for all the sexual allegations that they had come under fire for. And, and you know, Bobby Kotick was even uh, pointed in the, the whole argument. So, and he's still there. I, I, I feel like some of these developers and publishers uh, 
feel that maybe a Microsoft takeover is potentially also a way to clean up the industry. That's actually another big part, too, that I don't think many people have taken into consideration. Granted, there are some weird things going on behind the scenes at Microsoft right now. Like, they completely laid off their AI ethics team, uh, especially now in the midst of all of the effort that's going into integrating ChatGPT with some of their products. So that does kind of raise a red flag, but Microsoft has generally been at the forefront for a lot of things as of late with uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and really keeping things under control when it comes to the situations we saw at Activision Blizzard um, over the last couple of years. And that's only, again, time will tell if that ends up actually being one of the things that does get resolved, is by being under another powerhouse Will Activision Blizzard actually be able to overcome all of that? But that's just that's a side thing on all of this uh, compared to the grander scheme that is, I hate to say it, Call of Duty. Yeah, or, you know, it also does raise the question that, I mean, not to play the, the other side of the field, but being under such a um, big umbrella that they could be forgotten and the same thing continues to occur in the the same business. So... Hopefully it can be resolved, and I mean, sooner than later, for the sake of gamers (laughs) and for the sake of our sanity. (laughs) What sanity? It's all gone now. You're making me play Elden Ring now, so that sanity's all gone. (laughs) So let's go ahead and move on then to our next story here, and this one doesn't sound too insane, but obviously Valve thinks otherwise right now, but... Uh, in an interview with PC Gamer, um, Valve actually says they like the idea of the Steam Deck getting an OLED screen, but it's not as simple as it sounds to do a re-release of the Steam Deck. Um, so in the interview, uh, Pierre uh, Pierre Lou Griffiths is uh, from Valve says that he understands the limitations of the current tech that's in the deck in terms of the screen. We also want it to be better. We're looking at all avenues. Uh, And then he goes on here, or at least the article says, but the long answer is that there's a lot more to swapping out a screen than just swapping out a screen. So here's what he goes in to say. He says, I think people are looking at things like an incremental version and assume that it's an easy drop-in. But in reality, the screen's at the core of the device. Everything is anchored to it. Basically, everything is architected around everything when you're talking about a device that's small. I think it would be a bigger amount of work than people are assuming it would be. I don't think we're discounting anything, but the idea that you could just swap in a new screen and be done, it would need to be uh, more than that to be doable. So there have been a lot of complaints about the Steam Deck screen, obviously. Granted that we're in this day and age that you can get an OLED screen on just about anything. And of course, now there's the Switch OLED version, but obviously the trade-off is battery. Um and, and yeah. you know, there still are complaints about the Steam Deck screen in the first place, but at least you can go and replace it if something does go weird with it. Right. I I look at it this way. I mean, I I have a Steam Steam Deck, of course. Um, so maybe I'm a little biased. Maybe not. I don't play it as much as I thought I would. I I still play it quite a bit. But, um, yeah, you could put an OLED screen in it. But then how how are you going to be able to take it on a plane? Because you're going to have to increase the battery size. And I don't know that I'd want it that much more heavy or that much more bulky. I mean, I see people put the uh, the version 2 of 
the new dbrand uh grip on it uh the kill switch grip and it it looks really nice it's really fortunate that it fits so tight on the console because i don't think i would want it much more big than it is um and I, I see other cases, and I, I think I, I wouldn't want that. It All of a sudden, it becomes something other than a handheld computer uh, gaming console. It becomes a child's tablet because the cases are so bulky. Yeah, you're talking about yeah, you're talking about the need to re-architect everything to be able to do something like this. And yeah, and that's really I what mean, the like you said, the screen, you'd have to change the battery. All of a sudden, you can't take it on a plane if you change the battery. Well, and no, all he of a sudden, doesn't. You have to change the dimensions, and yeah, I mean, there's there's so many factors oh, yeah, to right go there. into to one thing, you know. Yeah, it is right there. Yeah, ability to alter the refresh rate and preserve battery life. That's why they went with the LCD panel instead. So. Mm-hmm. That makes perfect sense, obviously, because it's like you want a portable system that's going to work. And if the portable system's battery continues to drain at the rate that it does, um, you know, by slapping in an OLED screen, you're just going to make things worse. So, yeah, you're right. You're either going to have to get more efficient with your SOC or you're going to have to get a bigger battery. And if that requires re-architecting the entire system to make that happen, yeah, we're not going to see that in like a mid-generation refresh. We're going to see... We're gonna see them drop the like Steam Deck two or whatever the mm-hmm. the the future is going to be for this handheld. We're gonna see them drop it, and it will probably come with a choice of that. You could you get LCD, or you can get OLED, or some other type of of panel. I think so. Yeah. Um, and I mean the this the Steam Deck is miles ahead of the the SOC that's in the Switch. So I mean, comparing its OLED unit to what you know potentially could be a steam deck oled unit it, it's it'd be miles difference like uh, different states <laughs> like really and truly um but i i don't know beyond that there there all the factors and everything yeah I, I just i don't see it realistically being a thing until they make a new unit uh right now they're at the happy medium and uh, beyond that happy medium, they gave uh, players the option of actually tailoring the the specs of the system. So you can go more performance. You can tailor down the fans. You can tailor down the, the graphical performance. And it's all on a side menu you can pull up. So there there's another thing to consider. Yeah, and it's... It- even by changing out to an OLED screen, there are other tweaks that they even make mention of here in the interview that would still be required firmware-wise to be able to make things actually work oh, properly. Yeah. Like, I can't imagine you, you know, taking apart your Steam Deck just to put in an OLED screen and finding out that you're not getting really anything better. You know, I assume no. it'd probably be similar or at least, uh, you know, be in the same vein as like a plug-and-play monitor. Like, I could take my hdmi monitor over here just to the right i mean my my 27 inch 1080p monitor and plug it into like your you know your steam deck and it would boot up just fine you know be able to see stuff out of it uh, or right off of it with anything because it follows that same plug plug and play method i would imagine that someone who could find an oled that would fit in a steam deck and could make it work would get that part to happen but i'm sure there's other things that actually make that oled screen work better in firmware that the steam deck just does not have yeah, and I, I don't, I, I don't even know that it's necessarily an IPS display. It just, it's really sharp. Um, the way the colors come through, um, the way they have it tuned, um, 
I I feel like they did a really good job with with what they have, and especially even if you don't have the anti glare screen, I've seen other units that that don't have the same screen as mine, and they look great. You know, um, honestly, there there are disadvantages to having the anti glare screen. If you have polarized sunglasses, you can't play it with your sunglasses on. I found that out the hard way, but it's just you know. First world problems, I guess, you know. Uh, other than that, it, it's a really nice unit. Uh, everything about it is just, it's so finely tuned, and it's just tight. And I, I don't know what people can really have to complain about other than the battery life. But like I said, right now they're at that happy medium. If you want a better battery life, tune your, down your graphics, tune down the system performance. There's other options because it's a computer. True. True. But I will ask you, if they did offer a drop-in OLED screen that they could support in that, would you go and do the, you know, do the work to Frankenstein your system and uh, get that screen changed out for it? Or are you not even that worried? You know, there's, there's only a few games that I've really seen any major difference um, potentially, and that it might look better with an OLED screen, like maybe Elden Ring. I've seen some of the the dirty pixelization in that at times when you're when you're passing by groups of enemies or in certain situations in the game on the handheld. But um, other than that, I mean, there really aren't too many games that could necessarily take advantage of it, and I don't think it would really benefit all that much from it. What they have now is is pretty sharp and until they can perform the the system as a whole i don't really think there's a necessary upgrade and i think that's what they're looking at potentially in the future for a second steam deck is they want to perf- make a better system overall not just a screen hmm all right all right fair enough Let's carry on, though. I think that's enough yeah. about the Steam Deck there, <laughs> other than the fact that it's on sale right now. So if you want to go get one, you can get one 10% off right now for any of the models on uh, on uh, uh, the Steam store. So go and yeah, check that up out. Up until the really 23rd. Up until the 23rd, yes, so the end of this next week. All right, let's move on to the next story here, and it's about Stadia. And we all thought Stadia was dead. I mean, I, I at least thought it was completely dead. I didn't realize that they had some of it kicking around, but it sounds like... The rest of it has finally gone. Plans. Yeah, the rest of it has finally been buried in the ground next to its next to its brethren. Uh, you know, Google Plus, Google Wave. Um, oh gosh, whatever other platforms that Google has offered that they've gone and killed. Um, so, what this actually is is this isn't Google's. This isn't Stadia Gaming in the sense of what we knew because that service died in January. Fully shut down, nothing else. Refunds are done. They're not doing any more. Kaput, gone. But what they decided to do is they decided to keep parts of Stadia running. And those parts of Stadia that were running were to provide white-label cloud gaming services to third parties. Basically, they made it a a feature set that you could enable in your Google Cloud service to provide games to your customers if you had a way to you know, provide that. And I guess uh, some of the customers that Google had for it were AT&T, who actually used it to stream a copy of, what was it, Batman Arkham Knight. Uh, Peloton had a game called Lane Break on its exercise bikes. And then there was a Resident Evil Village demo 
that was on the web that was actually using the Stadia, uh, the Stadia environment. However, according to this article from Ars Technica, who then referenced, of course, uh, Stephen Totilio or yeah, Totilo of Axios, is that the service is now gone. That that service that was out there for offering streaming to third parties, game streaming through third parties, and that is now gone. Um, I guess since it's died, those partners that at least were working with them, um, the link on AT&T's service, which was actually through its phones, um, that is now a free trial over to GeForce Now. The Resident Evil link is dead. Um, there's no mention, though, of the Peloton uh biking game though and where that went maybe they're hosting that differently in peloton's environment i don't know but i i didn't realize though that they were going to be sticking around with this this offering maybe i remember something maybe not but i guess what do you think they were expecting by having this still go on well i i want to say i don't know if we had talked about it directly on the uh on our news, but I know we had had a conversation about um, that they had shopped around, and they were actually trying to to shop into the exercise equipment sector, specifically with oh like yeah, that's tread right. climbers and uh, Peloton bikes, and and it was supposed to be not just games, but they were also going to. I I think one of the things they were actually shopping around to their their the various. Uh, companies for the exercise equipment was like you could run on treadmills or or bike on trails um, and run on paths that were real paths in real life and for specific treadmills it would offer the uh, elevation difference so it would do the uh, incline and whatnot for hills and and so on and so forth but um, yeah I, I other than that I I hadn't heard a some of the other stuff that they were doing. I, I definitely didn't know about the Resident Evil demo. But, yeah, I, I know they were also shopping around other places, but I don't recall what it was or, you know, if they had actually disclosed. So Yeah, I don't. I, I'm not sure exactly who else they might have talked with, but obviously Peloton is the big one. Um, but it's it's interesting that they had at least tried to do something, but it's... Yeah, it apparently just never materialized for them and that that the whatever happened with Stadia is just not it just didn't pan out at least in the rest of the way they were expecting it to. So I'm kind of wondering how much more we're going to see on this. Like I I guess what I'm more curious about is all of these Google data centers have Stadia hardware in them, like Stadia servers or these things that they're purpose built to play Stadia games on. I wonder what they're going to turn those into now. Is that going to be a part of their AI initiative? Are they going to bring back Google Plus that, you know, that uses GPUs to to deal with AI stuff on there? You know, is it going to be more uh, benefit towards like transcoding for YouTube and stuff? Or, or I don't know. You know, it's just I mean, a lot it, of hardware. Yeah, it's a it's a lot of hardware. It. It is a really good question, but I mean, it, it, like you said, it's not the first time that Google's uh, abandoned a project like this and not just necessarily the, uh, 
the project itself, but even the hardware. I I mean, you look back at like the Google Glasses and and some of the other projects that they had released, and they they just kind of went away after a time, and that was that. And I I think unfortunately Google Stadia just fell into that that same category. It, it's really unfortunate though that they didn't shop out their their cloud infrastructure um, as a whole to to someone else like like Microsoft that, you know, honestly, I, I've played both and Stadia did have the stronger cloud infrastructure. I mean, it, you could stream on, on way lower signal bandwidth and have a better gameplay experience, honestly. No kidding. That I think that's the bigger part that they had, but obviously everybody saw the writing on the wall that it's like, oh, this is a Google product. This may not last very long. And it only got, what, four years? Yeah, and it, it like I said, it, it's unfortunate, and it, it the the biggest part that it is unfortunate is the the fact that their infrastructure was better than than Microsoft's uh, cloud gaming service. It's better than GeForce Now's cloud gaming service. Um, I I personally think they had the best on the market. So if if someone could acquire that infrastructure and that setup to be able to to do their cloud gaming as well as Google did, they'd be set. But, I mean, it does have that blemish that it is a Google product that was a failed product. Yeah. Well, with all those projects shut down, you know, I guess that means that we'll just see what happens next for Google, but probably not much in the gaming space anymore. But let's move on to something else in the gaming space, though. And it's a funny one. More specifically, given the current circumstances surrounding what we talked about in the first story. Uh, so this comes to us from IGN. Final Fantasy 16 has to be PS5 generation only. Um, so there was a hands-on session for uh, the gaming news organizations to go and play Final Fantasy 16, And apparently all they that the team was building on is the PlayStation 5. Apparently, they feel that the power behind the PlayStation 5 is what actually drives a lot of things. Uh, here's one of the quotes from uh, producer uh, Naoki Yoshida. Uh, While you're battling Ifrit and Garuda and having that big battle uh, in the background, the PS5 is loading the next scene. It's getting ready so we can seamlessly move into it. Uh, their combat director, Ryoto Suzuki, said further, you are graphically representing the fists and the claws and the wings. Uh, and all in real time and all these beautiful graphics and having all of these different options. But to be able to do all these seamlessly without any low times is possible because of the power of the PlayStation 5. If we didn't have the memory that the PlayStation 5 has and also the transfer speeds of the SSD that the PlayStation 5 has, we would still be in development right now. So I added another story in our list there, Kyle, that kind of maybe provides some more context on here. Um from Kotaku, uh, who are looking at this, though, too. Um, they haven't gotten any comment back still. They haven't had an update since we posted the story up in our, our notes. Um, but they make this comment here at the end. It says, still, I can't help but think Square Enix rationale is a bit of an exaggeration. What Yoshida and Suzuki are talking about are merely seamless cutscenes and games, things we've seen in Lost Odyssey, Max Payne 3, Metal Gear Solid 4, the opening race sequence in every Forza Horizon game, and so many more. Uh, hell, even Super Mario 64 had smooth transitions from cutscene to gameplay, and that was back in 96. 
So saying the game can seemingly only achieve next-generation combat, whatever that actually means, and they put that there in parentheses, because the power of the PlayStation 5 sounds a bit presumptuous to me. I guess we'll find out when Final Fantasy 16 comes out in June. Yeah, I mean, literally all they're referring to is tech that's existed on PCs for how long now? No kidding, and now that consoles are basically just computers anyway, it's go figure. Right. It, it's they're, they're just saying now that a console is just nothing more than a PC, it, it has to be basically PC tech, but we're going to call it PS5 tech, even though the, that technically would be antiquated to say because if we don't put it on PC, we'd be shooting ourselves in the foot. No kidding. And that's the big thing, though, is that, like, could this be one of those hidden exclusivity things that may come out in Discovery with Microsoft having to go to court and that with, you know, Sony and all these other groups and such just because of the acquisition, you know, that we find out that this was actually more of a paid thing instead? Because the uh, I don't know if there is a way to actually measure the transfer speeds of the SSDs on the Xbox and the PS5. But I'd be kind of curious to know if there is a actual speed difference between the two, at least one that's negligible enough to, to kind of justify this. Because I know games have to look good. I know that games have to run well. And when they're being built for a single console, or at least like consoles in general, they usually do pretty good. But... It's interesting, though, that the call out here saying that it's like, oh, it's the PS5 is the only one that can handle this. It's like, is that why we haven't seen much more on Final Fantasy VII coming over to Xbox and why we haven't heard much more on, I guess, anything else that way, Square, you know? See, and I, I could be wrong, but it, if I recall, I, I had heard that the only reason that the PS5 really was able to access data any faster necessarily and it was marginally was it had a special way that it parsed the data uh just to read and write it um that that allowed it to to access it quicker i some something of the sort but i mean if it's a marginal difference it does it really matter that's the key part like that that's the key thing is yeah does it matter I mean, we're we're at we're at a point in time where we're we're talking SSDs that are that are soldered to a board or SSDs that you have to plug into the back of a console through a specialized um, compact flash card port, basically, in order to get direct as access to the the um, the the leads on on the 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 actual board so it can get the proper speeds i mean that that's insane what <laughs> if, if that's the case i mean we we don't really need to be talking about you know this this marginal difference in speed i mean we're already trying to to work it out and i if if we're at that point and we're already talking you know upgrades from that with future consoles i mean we're we're probably probably already passed that or they, they've probably already got the next step worked out that we can avoid the these type of data issues so it's even faster already exactly it's it may be a non-issue almost right yeah i i think right now by working on the ps5 exclusively they're just limiting themselves unfortunately and you know maybe it it's because they do have some sort of um 
exclusivity deal beyond like a year with Sony. And I, I know that um, we were talking before the uh, recording about, I, I personally think that maybe they've been groom, grooming themselves to, to kind of court each other because they are both Japanese studios and they, you know, it, Sony and w- wants to, I guess, gain more Japanese studios and Square Enix does not want to sell to anything but a Japanese publisher. So, I yeah, mean, there's there, also there's, that. The, there, there's all these factors that are kind of lining up in my mind that it, it, it's a potential in the future. And Sony's already had many exclusivity deals over the course of uh, the original PlayStation, PlayStation 2 with the Final Fantasy series. So there, there's that to consider as well. Right. Right. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, we haven't taken a break yet, so we will come back here with the uh, last story we've got before we hop into the quest markers and uh, check out this ad here from our sponsor, Anchor.fm, also now known as Spotify for podcasters. And we're back. All right, so the last story that we have in the regular bit of news is uh, actually this is just kind of a fun one just to wrap things up for the week here is that a fan of Resident Evil 4 has decided to go ahead and recreate the intro in Lego form. Uh, Kyle, have you had a chance to actually watch this video yet? I have not. That is fantastic. Well, let I'm, me make, I'm starting it right now. Well, let me make this clear to you, though, Kyle, is that I, I've been reading up more on this. This was not made as a stop-motion Lego movie. Every single thing you see in here is done in Blender. So the the really? a, everything here, it has the vibe of stop-motion, but no, everything was done in here in Blender. Which is interesting because interesting. everything has such a sheen to it that it looks, it definitely looks more like, uh, like you would actually expect it to be a... Um, you know, like this, someone made this as a uh, as a stop motion. All right. right. Yeah. So a little bit of detail here as videos going on for you there. Um, uh, so the this was created by Kara uh, Aleatorio. Uh, that's spelled A L E A T O R I O, um, and the simple title for it is Lego Resident Evil Four Animation. Um, so it has audio from the original title, not the upcoming remake. Uh, and it's built specifically to make it the, like, it's the first few minutes of Resident Evil 4. Uh, so, yeah, this was all digitally created in Blender. And they said it took about two months and 3,000 images to create the short four-minute video. Uh, and at the end of the very short, you can spot some behind-the-scenes footage of the manual animating the awesome LEGO recreation. But there's a lot of other things in here that you get that make it look like it's stop motion. Like the first and the first thing that you see is that you know you can see like fingerprints on the uh, on the actual plastic, so it looks like they are uh, you know pieces that have been picked up and played with. Uh, if you actually saw the laser on the um, off of the gun, you can actually see it reflecting off of Lego pieces, just as it would you know like looking at some other Lego pieces that are out and about. Um, you've got the scratches and marks on pieces in that too, like you know they've been dumped and put into uh um you know lego boxes multiple times or lego storage containers but it's it's just a brilliant piece of work for those first few minutes of the game you know just to kind of show i guess what fans are capable of yeah that 
this is just amazing. Like, I'm especially looking at like all the scratches. Like, you look at when when he first pulls out the axe to attack Leon. Um, it, it's got those those classic scratches that you would actually see on on a Lego axe that's been stored with a a ton of Lego bricks. It, it's just crazy, and yeah, I. I I'm I'm kind of speechless on this one. It it just looks so good and well well done. Uh, all I have to say is well done. Wow. I mean, obviously, we're not going to get a Lego Resident Evil Four anytime soon because that that's a little out there for it. Especially because like everything else about this definitely screams Lego, except the uh, the pistol. For example, though, right. it's not an actual Lego piece. That's a just something created for this. And it's it's pretty well done. It's pretty well rendered uh, title, especially, you know, just the fact, though, that everything was made in Blender is just crazy. The amount of assets and things to actually bring in and and map out to make everything look like, you know, it's actually Lego is just it's cool. Yeah, it it does kind of make me wonder if if they like literally took pictures of worn Legos just to get the texturing and like the scratching and stuff right um, to make it look correct or to know how how to lay out random scratches to make it look appropriate on the Lego because it it just matches like the matte sheen with the 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 shininess of you know new on parts that wouldn't have gotten scratched up it just it's really cool i'd like to see a whole animation done out like that like you said probably not realistic being that if lego ever got their hands on it they'd be like stop this (laughs) (laughs) no kidding i don't know if they will i think lego is actually pretty good i know where they'll like protect their property at but stuff like this i don't i don't see them doing anything here that would be you know that that might shut this down because it, it was all animated. It wasn't stop motion stuff. But even so, like I've never seen a right. Lego stop motion shut down. But it's still cool. I'd actually see Capcom more so shut it down than I would see um, yeah, right. uh, Lego because of the audio, since that came from the original game. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, of course. I mean, Capcom. Not not to say anything, but they they did use some uh, some images from uh, a texture book in in that game that they they kind of swept under the table and ended up paying a settlement allegedly. Yeah, Getty Images is now literally a part of the Resident Evil universe. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. But that is it for the main news this week. So uh so now it's time for us to hop in to the quest markers. Quest markers being the last little bits of news from the week that didn't necessarily fit into the main stories themselves, but we still feel we should cover anyway. And Kyle, that means it's on to you. So what do we got in the quest markers this week? So for our first quest marker this week, uh, Counter-Strike Ghost Skin just sold for $160,000. Jesus Christ. So a skin of the shooter um, just sold for over 1 million Chinese you. Uh, yuan um or around a hundred and sixty thousand dollars uh us uh the skin a wild lotus factory new for the ak-47 has gone for high numbers before 
but this appears to be a record for any skin purchase in the game. According to the, uh, CSGOSkins.gg, the weapon skin is ranked 9 on the list of the top 10 most expensive skins available in the game, where prices for the skins start at just under 10k. Jesus so Christ. just under $10,000, you can potentially own this skin as well. Um, the skin was originally released as part of the, the uh, St. Mark collection in November uh, 2019 alongside the Operation Shattered Web update, and it's listed as the highest tier skin available in the pack. We're in the wrong business, Kyle. We need to start selling CSGO skins. Yeah, I, need, I, I guess I need to start playing more CSGO and start opening those chests like crazy, no man. No kidding. That, that's insane. But... In our last story, unfortunately, just got two for you this week. Um, we got Diablo 4 beta code with a double down. So, of course, um, this is actually the last day for the promotion. But starting on the 9th of this month, um, KFC was running a promotion where until the 18th, with the purchase of their famous double down, that has been missing from their menu for many years now uh, has made a return with the ability to get a Diablo 4 or yeah Diablo 4 beta code um, so it, if you hear this um, and you had a chance to play it that's awesome the only way to play during this beta um, of, would be to have pre-ordered the game uh, the beta did start on the 17th and runs through the 20th However, there will be an open beta later um, on the 24th through the 26th if you missed out on the pre-order or getting your uh, high-sodium dose for, for Satan. Yes, exactly. If you want to be able to make it to hell faster to go and meet Satan or even Diablo himself, that, the easiest way is just go buy a couple double downs and you'll be there pretty quick. Play Diablo right? in real life. <laughs> <laughs> But that, then, is it for the quest markers and is it for the weekly news roundup for the week of March 18th, 2023. So I want to thank everybody for listening in to this week's news roundup. And, of course, if you like what you're listening to, be sure to go check us out on your favorite podcast platform of choice. We are on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you name it, we're probably on it. Otherwise, if you want to go find us, you can go check us out on our homepage. It should redirect. I don't know the new link, but I know for sure the old link was anchor.fm slash the-mbcs-podcast. That platform has changed now to Spotify for podcasters. So we'll work to get that new link and share that out in the end of the next episode. Of course, follow us on social media on Twitter and Facebook at the NPCs Podcast. And follow us on YouTube as well, too, at the NPCs Podcast as well. Again, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. Laters.